Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I met someone recently who was like, you don't have a strong Minnesotan accent. And I was like, <laughs> just Hand wait. Hand me that gin and tonic yeah. and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the beginning <laughs> of the evening. She did not repeat Mine- that sentiment by the end of the evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mine always comes out when I'm drunk. Oh, yeah. Yep. Big time. And, I'm and we're already, doing a drunk dive mm-hmm. after this, so oh, it's going to come out in full force today. Yeah. it's it's. I'm afraid gonna be of real. today. And I started drinking early because my case is so dark that I needed comfort. Woohoo! Yay! I need to do a comprehensive Rule 25 assessment on Kenyon. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think you're fine. I've seen uh, yeah. way worse. It's Monday. It's fine. It's the it's, 60s. It is Monday and it is the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's in the 60s outside oh, right now. This weather, it's fall, y'all. It's fall. Mm, it's fake fall. I love it. It ain't real. Don't get used to it. It'll be 100 degrees next week. I love it. Well, well, speaking of the weather, should we talk about what our case is today? Who are we? Topic? Fucking, I'm oh, Kenyon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really I'm depressed. I'm Lucy, and I'm not as drunk as Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Amanda, and I don't know what's happening. I'm not drunk. I've it? had a glass and a half of wine. It's just you two haven't started yet. Yeah. Mm. I'm not okay. as drunk as you. Moving on. Yes. This episode is a very special fan pick brought to you special special, um most special brought to you by nick henno henno nailed it don't there's no way henno there's no way henno (laughs) there is no way henno (laughs) that was so stupid that was really good (laughs) so nick has selected the topic and it's gonna get dark of Overkill crimes. Y'all. <laughs> yeah. I first Googled, I always start my searches by just Googling the topic. Mm-hmm. Overkill crimes. And all I got were pages and pages of links about a metal band called Overkill. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe they've committed a crime and this will be like the most perfect thing ever. No. Nope. No. <laughs> so then I just had to go into heinous crimes or when has a serial killer gone too far yeah. which like they all have yeah. it's really <laughs> oh it's really bad i bet yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna get into some shit mm-hmm. today but first it's not good <laughs> most importantly the wine the w- we need we it. <laughs> like we really need, need it. it this week so amanda what is our wine crime pairing for overkill crimes 
Oh, God. Well, this week we are sipping from one of Wink Wine Club's amazing wines called Pre-Game Red Blend, which Kenyon kind of did, which is great. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like this is a good combo with overkill crimes because pre-gaming before a night out is often mm. overkill. Yeah, like. <laughs> Unforeseen <laughs> overkill, bad idea <laughs> leads to Think overkill. Twice. If you if you are yeah. pre gaming because you can't afford to buy drinks at the bar, then by all don't means. go to the bar. But once you yeah. are old enough <laughs> to afford to buy drinks at the bar, yeah, don't pre game. Oh my god! Unless you want to be vomiting by seven thirty yeah. p.m. Yeah, here's my strategy. I'll have a drink before I go to the bar. And then I'll soak a tampon in tequila. (laughs) I'll have a drink before (laughs) I go to the bar to manage my social anxiety at the bar. And then by the time I've had a couple of drinks at the bar, it's like 6.30 p.m. and I want to go home. Six, and it's great. Yeah, that's not pre-gaming. A drink before going yeah. to the bar is not yeah, pre-gaming. pre-gaming. Pre-gaming is like getting drunk and then going pre-gaming to the bar. Pre-gaming is like God. sneaking a bottle it's overkill. of like mixed, terribly mixed drinks in the backseat of the Uber on the way to the bar. Oh, or God, Or drinking no. 151 straight from the bottle in college and chasing it with pancakes. <laughs> You're right. No one's ever That's done overkill. that. Uh, yeah. We're all too old for that. <laughs> yeah, oh. way too old for it. Oh, God. Um, before we get to the notes, just a little shout out to our sponsor, Wink. They are the amazing online wine club that delivers wine to your door. And they have lots of ways you can do it. You can peruse their inventory and choose a la carte wines, which will work in a pinch. Or you can join them. You can become one of us, one of us, and be a subscriber And then they essentially will send you wine every month. You can like, they give you an opportunity to go and pick what wines you want. And if you don't pick, then they'll like suggest wines to you, which is awesome. And if you put four or more wines in that cart, they take care of the shipping. And if you use our promo code gals at trywink.com forward slash gals, that's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com forward slash gals. You get 20 bucks off your first box of wine. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Wine. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing game to play. Wine pants, wine to your house. Wine Correct. not. It's amazing. Ugh. Wine not. So the pregame red blend is a Paso Robles, California blend of Zinfandel, Merlot, and Cabernet Sauvignon with bright red fruits and spices that are complemented by medium body and smooth tannins. Mm. Talk to me, daddy. Um, Paso Robles is known for its Zinfandels and the first grapes were planted there in that region in 1797 by missionaries. Mm. Um, they planted just over a thousand vines at that time. And now it spans over 33,000 planted acres. Talk about overkill. One little (laughs) seed planted and now it's a whole region. It's a beautiful region. It's like the Creeping Charlie in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Seriously, that's going to be 33,000 planted acres of Creeping Ugh. Charlie if you're not careful. Um, so this particular bottle is fruit forward with an earthy and woody balance. This wine has notes of allspice, cherry, dried herbs, <laughs> and strawberry. Mm. She clocks in at 13.7% ABV, and she's a popper. Easy to open with our nice pop wine keys, which are available on our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. 
Com. Along with a bunch of other merch. We do have other Tank merch. Tats, that that is sweatshirts for fall, hot yeah. hot mugs. Ooh, to- for holding your pumpkin to- spice lattes. Tote bags. All kinds of stuff. I for sure am gonna be wearing a wine and crime fanny pack to the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah. The great Minnesota get together. Yep. Anyway, so uh, are we ready to pop this bad boy open? Let's do it. Yeah. I've been Let's ready. Let's do this. Okay. Born ready. Born free. As free as, as, free the, as wind the wind blows. blows. As free as the as grass, free as the grass grows. grows. What is happening right now? It's my strategy that for you need to opening a bottle of wine at a table, and I'm not quite Doi. there yet, so I'm trying to distract them with my lovely vocals. Okay. Mm. Are we ready? (laughs) Oh, she's sliding out. Hello. Ready? Uh Oh my God, I thought she was sliding out. Heard that before. (sighs) She's playing coy. (laughs) (laughs) Takes a little finesse to get her ready. A little farther down, just a little farther. Mm -hmm. We haven't hit the sweet spot yet. Okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> wettest pop I've did ever you, heard. Did you spill? I gotta grab a towel. How much did you spill? Of course you, you did. You could grab a gal's towel, which is our gal's poster on a towel. Oh my a full-length beach towel. I literally am because I'm in my recording space where I store all of our merch, and that is the closest thing within reach. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send the soiled towel as a trash queen item. <laughs> Don't wash it. If someone gets a Paso Robles blend scented towel. Bloody towel. <laughs> thank just, God it didn't get on my coloring sheet. We're actually oh, serial God. killers, and we've just been using trash queen to like dispose of all of the evidence genius that to us. Oh, that is genius. genius. We should start a podcast. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm drinking this wine out of my personalized wine glass that somebody gave to us while on tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, those with things our are tag so cool. Yeah, they're etched, and mine set, has my name with the skull and crossbones on the bottom, and then on the side it says, it's pronounced anus. <laughs> I love it so and On the bottom much. of mine is a block of cheese. Amazing. I love it. All right. Anyway. All right. All right. Cheers. Uh, Take it away, La. Oh, yeah. Cheers. While you both catch up to moi, Lucy, (laughs) what is our background and lots of psych, I'm guessing, for overkill crimes? So this is going to be a pretty psych-heavy segment, so buckle up. And we're also going to focus primarily on violence, and by primarily, I mean exclusively. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know... That's kind of the only thing I could think to uh, talk about for this particular topic. Mm-hmm. According to the APA, that is the American Psychological Association, violence is an extreme form of aggression, such as assault, rape, or murder, although the FBI uh-huh. might not include rape because apparently they've taken that out or at least partially out of their violent crime statistics, what which the is fuck? great. What the fuck? Oh, well, well, violence against... You have to because of the president. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right,
Uh, All right. Violence has many causes, including frustration, exposure to violent media, violence in the home or neighborhood, and a tendency to see other people's actions as hostile even when they're not. Certain situations also increase the risk of aggression, such as drinking, hey-o, insults, and other provocations and environmental factors like heat and overcrowding. Mm -hmm. So... Good thing we're experiencing. Alcohol is one of the only. What? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I said alcohol is one of the only like substances that is directly linked to an increase in violent mm-hmm, behavior. Mm-hmm, this also mm-hmm. sounds no like other the drug Minnesota has a direct cause. Drinking insults, environmental factors, other heat, provocations, heat overcrowding. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, state fair. That is the reason I did not go to the state fair this year. Is because oh, I, can't I just I don't feel safe in crowds all of a sudden. Wonder why. On the day that this is being recorded, in two days, I'm going to the state fair with Kenyon's mother yep. and all my mom's <laughs> high school friends. Oh I can't my god! Wait, and I'm so excited. And you're gonna see Holland Oats. Yeah, we are, and I'm getting us a quote on uh, renting uh, motorized scooters mm, and getting uh, matching tattoos of duh. the Golden Girls. Oh my god. At least airbrush t-shirts. Oh, minimum. minimum. Caricatures. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I'm trying oh. to eat. <laughs> yes. Get bitch, I'm trying to eat in henna on the back of your calf. <laughs> on the back of my neck. <laughs> on the front of my neck. On the neck. front of your belly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get it repeated on a bunch of spots on my body. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to narrow it down. Okay, so let's talk first about the science of violence. And this is from a Psychology Today article entitled, The Science of Violence. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) On the nose. Quote, violence, like all human behavior, is controlled by the brain. Go figure. From Uh the everyday road rage to domestic violence to a suicide bombing, the biology of anger and aggression is the root cause of most violent behavior. Viewing violence narrowly from the perspective of psychological dysfunction shirks the larger truth that the biological Mm -hmm. roots of rage exist in all of us. Sure do. the, Mm -hmm. The leading risk of death throughout the prime of life is not disease, it's violence. So if you survive into old age, you will most likely die from disease, but according to the CDC statistics for deaths in the United States for the year 2014, life ends at the hands of another human so frequently that from early childhood through middle age, so that's age one through 44, homicide is the third to fifth most common cause of death in all age brackets between one and 44. Great. Wow. Yeah. We're almost out of it, folks. We've got about 10 years left. We've got more than that. Then we can just die from disease. Mm-hmm. I said about 10 years and 12 is about 10 years. I'm going to give us those extra two precious years to be killed by violence. I'm not with your back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> with my bar. As we've, You're 44 now. I'm 74 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we all helped her with her bags through the airport. She's at least 74. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. Speaking of motorized carts, I think that's a wise investment for our next tour. So Mm -hmm. into it. 
Okay, so as we've talked before many, many, many times on this show, you are about twice as likely to be murdered by someone that you that you know uh, rather mm-hmm. than by a stranger. And just as a heads up, we will not be discussing self-inflicted violence or death today because that is a whole other set of data, and we're really it's not what we're focusing on for this episode. So I'm not including that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who tends to be violent? Let me guess. Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. of people in prison for violent crimes are men, and men also die from homicide at three times the rate of women. That said, when the victim is a spouse or intimate partner of the killer, women are murdered at over three times the rate of men. So, yeah. Mm. It depends on, like, the context. Yeah, homicide Mm -hmm. in general, men are more likely to be killed, but if it's intimate partner Mm -hmm. violence, obviously women are more likely mm-hmm. to be killed. Mm-hmm. I so did read. If, did you guys hear about the thing in space? Though the space the crime, the planets. What do you mean? <laughs> the thing in space. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Some astronaut. Some I think Russian like cosmonaut on a space station. <laughs> um, of a, a, a female cosmonaut like. From the space station, like hacked into her girlfriend or wife's bank account, and like I don't know. So I am gluing together like several headlines at a ridiculous rate. (laughs) But anyway, so the one of the headlines was like, "Well, men have the clear majority." Hold the title to clear majority of crime on Earth. So far of recorded crimes in <laughs> space, it is 100%, 100% committed by women. I love it. Uh, we need to do a space oh, yeah. crimes episode. Oh, yeah. Entitled, Did You Hear About That Thing in Space by Kenyon Lang. Entitled Space Force. Yeah. Space oh, Force entry. Uh, all right. Okay. Where was I? Okay. So if pathology, psychology, or politics are not the main factors in motivating violence, as psychologists argue, it is biology that motivates violence. So simply being a man makes you more likely to be violent. And that's proven through statistics more than actual, like, biology science at this point. But, like, Mm -hmm. you can't argue with the numbers. Well, it is so. hard to unpack. I mean, like we're because we socialize men and women differently in our society, it mm-hmm. can be really hard to unpack what's nature and what's nurture. Well, from the right. statistics. And have since the dawn of yeah. time cuz like this is true. The hunter-gatherer this shit. is true that men are more violent than women throughout human history and across cultures and also among non-human primate species. Mm-hmm. So it is testosterone's a hell of a drug. It's not mm-hmm. just our culture, it's not just, you right. know. I'm not today's saying it's one world. or the other. I'm just saying it's yeah. we don't. It's hard to unpack. It's hard to unpack. So, quote. Just like my bags that still have some stuff in them from no. our tour. Girl, we <laughs> got no. home like a month ago. It's hard to unpack. Oh, wow. <laughs> Get the Febreze. I have two walk-in closets. I just put my suitcases away and then forgot about Your them. Your apartment's basically a walk-in closet. <laughs> it's then, yeah, I have three walk-in closets. I did a spring cleaning. I gave our domestic worker, Maria, like six 
uh, garbage bags full of clothes and shoes and stuff. I was like, yes, Marie Kondo, my life. We're doing a yard sale in a couple weeks. I'm excited. So good. Uh, Okay, so this is a quote back from that Psychology Today article. Quote, we have neural circuits of rage and violence because we need them. As a species, we need a deadly violence to obtain food, to protect ourselves, our family, our group. And unfortunately, we still need them today. Order in society is maintained through violence, meted out methodically by police and nations according to laws that benefit society at large, but this organized violence is founded on the same neurocircuitry of aggression wired into the human brain of every individual. So you can see it, you can kind of track it on like a super macro level too, that Mm -hmm. is specific to like today's modern culture, which I thought was interesting. Sure. Here's a fun fact for you. Scientists can shoot a laser into an animal subject's brain to either initiate rage or to stop it. What? Why don't we have Whoa. a human laser? I want to be able to... L- you would not... Your aim would not be good. You have true. one eye. <laughs> I don't even mean you particularly, <laughs> Kenyon. I mean, like, you as the human race. If we were equipped with these lasers, people would have, like, fried brains. Mm. Also, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> worth, if worth you can control, If you can control someone's full-on behavior and emotions with a laser, that's, I mean, mm. eventually we'll get there, but we're not there yet. I'll tell you a little more about it. So scientists have identified the specific neurons and circuits associated with rage and aggression. These circuits are located in the same part of the brain that controls other unconscious things like sex, hunger, and thirst. So like very basic human functions is Mm. where this little rage switch lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. According to the CDC, quote, the different forms of violence, which could include child abuse and neglect, youth violence, intimate partner violence, sexual violence, elder abuse, and suicidal behavior are interconnected and often share the same root cause. That said, it is dangerous, forensically speaking, to lump all of these disparate motivations into the same category. So Although while they might have... My subject commits all of the above. Great. Oh, great. Fun. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Can you wait till I finish this bottle of wine before you start your segment? <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> uh, start boofing it, girl. I'm reading. I need an IV. <laughs> and boofing is when you accept substances through your ass. Oh, is it? <laughs> For the listeners at <gasps> boofing oh, crimes. Didn't Brett Kavanaugh talk about boofing? I'm sure he fucking did. Oh my god! Just on S- Boofing with just, his best friends. That might have just been on SNL. Tag and Skylar. Yeah. Let's assume that it happened in real life. Also, fun fact: when I googled, I was googling like recidivism rates for this episode, and like a plus boofing bunch of articles on Brett Kavanaugh came up. <laughs> oh my god! I bet. <sighs> God, what a nightmare. Fuck that motherfucker. I hate everything. Okay, so while all of these crimes that I just mentioned might not have been executed violently for a... Sorry, while they might have all been executed violently for a similar biological and evolutionary reason, the triggers and motivations are not the same and shouldn't necessarily be examined that way. So it's important to understand how they're linked in terms of, like, your biological response, but... it's important to understand that those all the triggers are different. Also, you know, obviously all the context of the perpetrators and the victims and all that stuff. So 
Mm. Very different. It could also be argued that modern life has played a role in incidents of violence. For example, social media and high-speed public transportation allow people to interact with each other much more frequently and also on an increasingly impersonal level. I love it. Keep that impersonal level going. Mm -hmm. Anonymity. Is key. Uh-huh. Hyperpartisan politics, so uh, xenophobia and fear, and people try to combat this with an ever widening array of firearms, which makes murder uh-huh. much easier than when we had to kill each other with our bare damn hands. Uh-huh. Or make Back a spear. In my day. My day. The good old days. You had to walk uphill both ways to commit a murder. Well, you at least <laughs> had to reload. You didn't have a clip of a hundred fucking bullets. Yeah, you had to. You had and to we earn were grateful. It. Yeah, <laughs> we were grateful. <laughs> we're but we respected our elders. Uh, also, <laughs> drugs and pharmaceuticals that may have a negative effect on a person's interpersonal relationships and mental health obviously could be mm-hmm. detrimental to their own safety as well as the safety of those around them. Mm-hmm. More likely, their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying that these yeah. these could all be factors related to excessive violence, specifically in like our modern times. Lots right, of right, drugs. Right. There's lots of fucking drugs around. Um, there are different reasons for aggression too, which I would imagine contribute to overkill crimes. Mm-hmm. So one might be as an inappropriate handling of emotions such as anger, frustration, or sadness. Um, it could sure. also be a manipulation tactic such as armed robbery or like trying, you know, trying to get something that you right, want. Right, where they never even intend to actually harm anyone. Right, it's it's just a tactic to get what they want. Fear, yeah. yeah. Um, it could also, the violence could also be a form of retaliation, whether that retaliation is against the literal individual victim or as a projection of someone or something else onto their literal victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of like the fucking dossiers from mass shooters seem to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Violence can also be a learned behavior as an appropriate way to behave and navigate the world. If you if you grew up in an abusive household, you know, right. not a f- not far-fetched to think that, oh, yeah, if I don't get my way, I'll just punch my wife or whatever. Again, mm-hmm. my guy uh, exhibits every single one of these. Inappropriate handling of emotion, armed robbery tactic— Elder abuse, retaliation, projection of uh, of an individual onto a different victim, and learned behavior. All of the above. I haven't even had any of my wine yet. Okay, that whose fault is that? I'm reading. It's the it's how we do our learn to boof. I'm not (laughs) boofing. (laughs) Boofs on you. I have yeah, boofs on you. I have my butt limits. (laughs) (laughs) So this is according to the Harley Therapy Counseling blog. Other factors which can be causes of violence include the influence of one's peers, having a lack of attention or respect, which like that seems like a very general thing to say, having low self-worth, experiencing abuse or neglect, as we said, witnessing violence in the home, community, or medias, uh, access to weapons is a big fucking one. 
So Mm -hmm. be aware of that. Uh, It is common for those who act violently to have difficulty controlling their emotions. For some, behavior can be attributed to past abuse or neglect, false beliefs that intimidating others will gain them respect, or a belief that using violence will solve his or her problems. However, violent actions often work against the individual, like perpetrating the violence, and they often lose respect or become increasingly isolated because others view them as dangerous. Over time, violence... And uh, that just, you know, makes things fucking worse. Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. they're in prison. Yeah, but to land yourself in prison, you should have, have already, must have done, already done something bad. Yeah. <laughs> Over time, violence and aggressive behavior often escalates when not addressed. However, there are signs that can help identify potential or immediate violence. We're not going to go into that. We've pretty much already discussed them. So long story short, it is human nature to feel rage, and that rage may occasionally translate into violence for some people. And that's like if you tell me to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. Yes. That rage will translate Mm -hmm. into violence. And violence in today's society is generally not okay. So if you feel like your emotions are getting out of control and you're worried about hurting someone or yourself, Seek counseling. Just because it's a biological circuitry wiring issue does not mean that it's appropriate. So, mm-hmm. obviously, as we say in every fucking episode, mental health, prioritize your mental health, be aware of your own feelings, and also just kind of try to be in tune with the feelings of the people around you. Check in on your friends, right. pay attention. It's not it's not abnormal to experience a vast range of emotion The where, like, the lines of appropriateness or, like, normativity lie are in how we manage those feelings. Exactly. I feel rage, and I feel like I All could explode time. in, like, a violent, you know, in violence, but that... <laughs> You know, when specifically do it (laughs) when I'm driving (laughs) when I'm I'm cleaning the litter boxes, honestly, Mm. when Callie keeps sniffing and keeps sniffing and just won't shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. When Ghostface is just licking her butthole for like 15 minutes. Jesus. Callie's looking at me like, what did I do? Oh, honey. (laughs) I I (laughs) Not right now, but a lot. I had a moment when we were in the airport somewhere and going up the escalator and the escalator was making that screeching (laughs) sound. (laughs) You almost exploded. I I feel like that was in Atlanta or something. I I really almost lost it. Yeah, your face was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. If I could bottle that face, (laughs) I would. I think I took a video of it. Please find it. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's my segment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there there isn't like a a strict definition in terms of murder of what overkill constitutes. It's just anything that is like more than necessary to kill a person i mean that's kind of how i overkill murders was just our interpretation of this topic it's not like a phrase oh i thought it was a Mm -hmm. term i thought it was like a term that like was part of like psychological profiles or my initial google search would have brought me back a lot more results if it were actually like used in psychology is in the eye of the beholder it's like a casual colloquialism not everybody uses that terminology oh i thought it was like a term that like 
the FBI would use to like like an organized or disorganized killer, someone who no. like okay, all right, not I mean not not that I've found, and I I have not dug found that quite either. deep into the annals of the internet. There you go. Well, that's all you can do. Speaking of digging deep into the annals, Mm. a word from our sponsor. Let's do it. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It is mobile. It is available when you need it. And best of all, it's affordable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. You simply provide your preferences for therapy. So if you're like me, it's anxiety and general depression. Uh, And then Talkspace (laughs) Existential terror. (laughs) Existential dread. Uh, And then Talkspace will match you with one of 5,000 plus therapists the very same day. It's truly fast and amazing. And you can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time and my therapist Mm -hmm. Emily knows exactly what my dog and my bunny rabbit look like Mm -hmm. because I use that picture feature a lot. (laughs) Where did I get this weird bruise from? Yeah, oh honestly I've asked much stranger questions than that in my talk space sessions. It's amazing. It is amazing. What are your thoughts on turmeric? Yeah. (laughs) Will this cure my diabetes? Is cinnamon really the answer? Emily's really there for you. She's really there for me. I feel like Emily is my friend now. (laughs) Yeah. God bless her. Talkspace has more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges that we all face. So to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get $65 off your first month and show your support for this show. That is promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, and Talkspace.com. Treat your brain. Treat it. Do you ever feel like some days you are so busy that your head is just spinning and spinning, especially now that the kids are back in school? The Uh, you is back in school. My cats. (laughs) Your cats. (laughs) Your cats are back in school and you're running from work to soccer practice to the grocery store and life is chaos and you probably forget to focus on yourself and your Uh health and your well-being. And that is where Open Fit comes in. It takes all the complexity out of losing weight or getting fit. And it's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in Mm -hmm. as little as 10 minutes a day. I cannot stress this enough. Working out from home Mm -hmm. is the best. Game changer. It's a game changer. So with OpenFit, you can sculpt your body in the convenience of your own home. No eyes on you. This is like the most important thing to me. This is what I hate the most about going to the gym Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. even if no one is looking at me, I feel like people are looking at me. And then I'm not, I'm not willing to like maybe try something new because I'm too nervous that I'm going to look like an idiot and open fit just like erases all of that worry. And you can work out with amazing trainers like Andrea Rogers, who's the founder of the worldwide sensation extend bar, which I tried. And if I had tried that in the gym, laughter (laughs) would have ensued, but it was super fun. Or the newest workout rough around the edges. Hi me with six of the most (laughs) badass stunt women in the business. Like That's these are, so cool. Yeah, it's so legit. I love it. And no longer have to worry about other people watching you work out or feeling the pressure to like keep up 
with your mm-hmm. peers at the gym. OpenFit is perfect for all fitness levels. I also really like to use their yoga videos and they will they have a bunch of different videos that can meet pretty much anywhere you are in yoga. So I'm obviously still very new even though I've been doing it for like a year. Um, <laughs> but it's really great. It walks you through it and I don't feel like I have to compete with the person next to me who can literally like put their toe in their mouth. They could fold themselves in half. <laughs> Not right. me. Not for me. Yeah, that's just no, it's just not us, not the way we work out. So OpenFit mm-hmm. has changed the way that we work out clearly. And by texting our code GALS to 303030, that is 303030, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. So mm. right now during the OpenFit 30-day challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit. When you text GALS to 303030, you will get full access to OpenFit all the workouts and nutrition information totally free. Wow. Again, just text gals to 303030. Standard message and data rates may apply. It is worth it. Treat your mm. workout. Treat, Treat it. it. So, this next segment is entitled Worst Childhood Ever, which being friends with these two, I can commiserate. <laughs> I know all about it. We're getting our laps in, you know. <gasps> yeah, you said. You, said you started at me. It. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> you didn't specify. Canyon's rage is mm-hmm. coming out. <laughs> she punches her computer screen. She just goes dark. <laughs> All right. That'd be amazing. Danny Harold Rawling was born in Already hated Shreveport. Him. Yeah, Danny was born in yep. Shreveport, Louisiana. On um, late May 1954. <laughs> <laughs> May 26th, I think. To parents James Perfect. and Claudia. What did you write? May 2 and then TH. <laughs> May 2. <laughs> May 2, 1954. The Ides of May. Yes. <laughs> All right, to parents James and Claudia. James was a local police officer who, quote, beat his wife on occasion. Are you kidding me? That was a quote. Like it was a hobby. Like he enjoyed fly fishing and trap shooting and beating his wife on occasion. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And by on occasion, they mean like three or four times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. All right. Cool. Great. Are we done yet? Nope. Claudia was only 19 years old when she married James, and uh, just two weeks into their marriage, she discovered she was pregnant with their son, Danny. And the pregnancy angered James, who didn't want children, and he blamed that on his wife, even though it takes two to tango. Well, she's the one with the ovaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he found out his wife was pregnant, the abuse escalated, which often intimate partner violence does escalate immediately after marriage and and throughout pregnancy. So this was like a perfect storm. Uh, The first instance of James's physical abuse towards his eldest son started when the boy was still a baby. At around one year old... Danny had just started crawling, but his father was angered that the baby wasn't crawling properly and beat him. 
Okay. Jesus Christ. Trigger warning for literally the rest of this episode in literally every category. Oh. And literally every episode, but especially this episode. That's why we don't do... Well, we do the disclaimer at the top, but it's because it's in every episode, but like especially this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Soon after the birth of their second son, Kevin, Claudia attempted to escape her husband's abuse and left with the boys for six months. Uh, but this wouldn't be the last time that she would leave. And then each time James would convince her to return. Um, and that has a lot to do with the fact that there's not a lot of support or services for victims of domestic violence, even today, let alone in like 1958. Yeah. You know, I found out a fact about my house. That okay. I thought, but it wasn't confirmed until recently. So my house used to be a duplex. It had an apartment upstairs with, like, its own kitchen and everything. And, um... I didn't know that. Yeah, when we ripped up all the flooring, there was, like, linoleum and, like, where a sink used to be that is in currently our bedroom. It's weird. Anyway, um, on the main floor, it was a lawyer that lived here, and a lot of his clients were, like, abused women. So when they needed a place to escape their partners, they would live upstairs in my house. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Might account for some of the vibes I had to clear out when we lived here, when we first Mm -hmm. moved in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lots of vibes. Lots of vibes. Um. So, obviously, the abuse would continue uh, every time they were reunited. Um, Claudia suffered at least one major mental breakdown. And at one point, Danny witnessed his mother locking herself in the bathroom and slitting her wrists. Oh, my oh God. God. And he was little. He was, like, maybe five years old. Um. <laughs> James Rowling knocked down the bathroom door, but didn't attempt to help his wife. He just continued to scream at her as she lay on the bathroom floor bleeding. Oh, great. Helpful. When Danny was around five years old, so around the same time, the family got a puppy. Nope. Skip it. You're not going to like this part. But fucking James, and keep in mind, this fucker is a police officer. He has a fucking badge. Ick. And this is what he's doing at home. Repeatedly beat and tortured the dog, along with his wife and children, and eventually the puppy died from the abuse. Good Lord. And still more traumatically, the puppy, which Danny had grown very attached to because, duh, he's a five-year-old boy with a puppy, um, the dog died in Danny's arms. No. Jesus what Christ. What was his name? I don't know. I, I don't, don't want to know. know. James, uh, James's other abusive tactics included refusing to hug his kids because he believed that showing any physical affection was, quote, sissy. Was gay. Knew yep. it. Knew it. Yep. Fucking toxic masculinity is a exactly. killer. Exactly. So just... Quite literally. generational, too. Oh, yeah. And I feel like people listening to this show know this, but just in case you don't, like, when we say toxic masculinity, we're not talking about men are bad and all men are bad and being a man or being masculine is bad. No, I love men. I have sex with them all the time. It's the toxic form of masculinity where you go so far as to think that hugging your own children is gay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 
That's some fucked and up gay shit. gay meaning like, you know, bat, like gay as in a pejorative bullshit term. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, the children were also not allowed to celebrate holidays or birthdays and not for any religious reason, literally just to rob them of any shred of joy in their lives. Oh, my God. Great. Just to control them. Obviously, this upbringing took a severe toll on young Danny. He failed the third grade multiple times, and school counselors recommended Ugh. that he get counseling, but this advice was obviously ignored. Um, teachers also noted that Danny had, quote, aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control. Uh, okay. And I finally watched the first season of, um, what's it called? Big Little Lies. Yeah. It's about time. I know. I watched it on an airplane the whole season. Okay. It's so fucking good. Uh, By the age of 11, Danny had developed an alcohol problem. Oh, the poor kid. 11? 11. Yeah. Yep. Like, not just, like, trying it, but, like, full-blown alcoholism. Jesus. Mm -hmm. He would be thrown in jail for public intoxication numerous times throughout his teen years. At around the same time, so age 11, he developed sadistic and uh, sexually violent fantasies. Mm -hmm. At 12, he ran away from home and masturbated in the woods to fantasies of killing people. At 14, he became a peeping Tom. Again. Covered that one. Take this shit seriously. You have to take that shit seriously. You really do. It is such a symptom of bigger issues at play. Mm-hmm. By his late teens, Danny began heavily using LSD slash tripping acid. Are those the same things? Yes. We've I been think we through concluded this. they are. Okay. <laughs> wow. Nailed the slash then. Okay. <laughs> um, he failed the Navy enlistment test because um, he never did very well in school, uh, but he still managed to join the Air Force. So a bunch of Navy people are like, ha-ha, take that, Air Force. Moving on, still Danny got caught with <laughs> drug possession and was diagnosed with a personality disorder, which, like, I'd fucking say so. Um, yeah. And he was discharged, albeit honorably, despite being caught with drugs and having a personality disorder. Mm. Well, personality disorder isn't anything to be dishonorably discharged for, but... That's true, but I think the reason he was diagnosed was because he couldn't control his like fits of rage. Yeah, it, I'm it sure. wasn't. Sure. It wasn't just like you know a, a run of the mill diagnosis. Diagnosis, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, after being discharged from the military, Danny Rawling found God through the Pentecostal Church. Right when I thought it couldn't get worse. Mm. He soon met and married, and I don't know how to correctly pronounce her name. I think it's Ometha. Ometha and Heiko. And it wasn't long before their daughter was born. Ometha was younger than him. Um, The pressure of being a young husband and father proved too much for young Danny, however. And he fell off the wagon when when the baby was little abandoning Jesus and turning instead to drinking, doing drugs, and peeping. Not, not leaf peeping. 
Oh, nope. not the good kind. Human peeping. Human peeping. <laughs> Human peeping. Ugh. He stopped going to work regularly and would also disappear for days at a time with no word to his wife of where he was going or what mm. he was doing or when he'd be back. And she had a fucking newborn. Um, oh, and having learned from his father, Danny also began physically threatening Omefa at this time. So again, after they'd gotten married. Yeah. When she threatened to leave him, he held a gun to her head and said he'd kill her and her ex-boyfriend, who he accused he accused them of like, like still having some sort right. of romance or something. And I have no idea yeah. if that's true or not. Um, when Omefa pleaded for her life, Danny turned the gun on himself and threatened to complete suicide in front of her, which is another abuse Oof. tactic and manipulation tactic. Mm-hmm. Omefa managed to get the fuck out and divorced Danny six months later. So, thank God. Yes. Run, girl, she, run. Yes. Relatively unscathed physically, but certainly with a lot of emotional oh, scarring. Yeah, I mean, she, she could have died. And also, mm-hmm. you know, she had a, a daughter that she yeah. was going to raise. And, um, but yeah, so she, she separated from him like as soon as this incident happened. And then they officially got divorced six months later, but she got the fuck out. It's very lucky. Uh, yeah, it is lucky. Um, that same year, 1977, Danny Rawling raped his first victim, a woman who resembled his ex-wife. Oh, great. Projection. Here we go. Yep. I told you, he ticks every box. Great. Mm-hmm. At 24, Danny began dating a 17-year-old girl. He also couldn't hold down a job and had turned to armed, armed robbery to pay the bills. In 1979, he was arrested and confessed to armed robberies, mostly of Winn-Dixie stores Mm -hmm. uh, in three different states, all in the Deep South, the actual Deep South. Mm. Um, Where does the Deep South begin? Iowa. It does. (laughs) We've been through this. We've covered this. I I think it's southern states touching the Gulf of Mexico. Is the deep south. The Iowa border. Really? That would be mine. Whatever. I don't know. know. It doesn't matter. There's no way to know. Okay. Correct. And Iowa. Um, In 1979, okay, I already said that. He was sentenced to six years in prison for these armed robberies. And so he was actually shuffled around to several different prisons and at least one mental institution at this time. And he attempted to escape from prison on at least two occasions. One time he got away from like a roadside chain gang, but he only made it like a hundred yards. And then the guard fired a warning shot in the air and he came back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then another time he escaped and was, was out for three days before they caught him. Wow. Um, Where would you in, go if you escaped from prison? I'm not telling you. You think mm. I'm dumb? <laughs> I put, A donut I put, shop? I'm putting it on this podcast. I'd be hungry. Go to my cabin. <laughs> yeah, Froyo would be involved, but otherwise. Um... In prison, an already large and imposing Danny, so he was around six foot two and 200 pounds, um, 
took up bodybuilding and boxing. Oh, that's great. what he needs. Fucking great. That's what and all he, his future victims need. Make your body a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just what prison is for bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I feel like that shouldn't be allowed. It's like the only thing to do. I know. Yeah, it'd be worse if it wasn't allowed. I don't know. Because it does actually release endorphins and help to like release pent up aggression in a safe yeah. way. But so does like swimming. You know, which is exercise, I, which improves your body, which makes you good strong. Luck yep. Asking prisons to install <laughs> Olympic sized swimming pools and showers. I, I know, but like bodybuilding <laughs> specifically just feels so dangerous for <laughs> violent criminals. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, what? I can't believe you're not backing me up on this. Okay. He also, <laughs> I mean, all exercise is dangerous. <laughs> True. I don't see the difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also killed a stray cat with a rock while in prison. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Okay, so you the s- dog was fine, apparently, yeah. but the cat so was her still- name. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know and we never want to know. I don't oh, think I she do. had a name. She was a stray. Her name was Molly. Okay. Cat Doe. Oh my lord. Cat um, <laughs> so despite escaping twice and having been sentenced to two concurrent six-year terms for violent felonies, armed robbery, Danny Rawlings served less than five years in prison, so less than his term, and was released mm-hmm. back into society in 1984. Cool. Great. great. Special yep. thanks. Mm-hmm. That same year, Danny attempted to rape, attempted rape again, this time breaking into a young girl's house after stalking her for several hours. Mm, Don't ever leave your house, people. I know. Well, no, she was in her house and he was like peeping, tomming it. Oh, that kind of stalking? Yeah. Okay. Don't ever go home, people. (laughs) (laughs) Neither leave your house nor stay in your house. Mm-hmm. Go to space. Hack your ex's bank accounts from there. Yeah. Women are crushing space right now. Space crime. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All right. This is a quote, but I don't know whose perspective it is. It feels like um, it feels like it's from Danny's perspective, basically. But I so just take it with a grain of salt. His quote, his intent was to rape her, but she started crying and he felt bad. He decided not to rape her. Instead, they talked, had a cup of coffee, sang songs to each other, and then engaged in, quote, consensual sex. No. That didn't happen. No. She was surviving yeah. if any of that and happened because there was a fucking intruder in her yeah. fucking mm-hmm. house. And still exactly. got raped. And he was like, sing songs with me. And cool. she was like, oh my God, Ro- please don't Ro- fucking I've never me. had a childhood. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was trying to de-escalate the situation and survive by complying with him and... A thousand fucking yeah. percent. You say, I'm speculating wildly, but it just doesn't make any other sense. When you describe her as a young girl, is she like four or like 14? Uh, I don't know her age. I don't believe she was a ch- like a young child. So my guess would be teenager or even early 20s. Okay. 
anywhere in there. His other victims were all um, between the ages of 17 and 24. Okay. Um, still, he, despite this so-called consensual sex, he still fled town in fear that she would call the police. End quote. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is not something you do if you've made a friend, you're singing songs yeah, to each other. Yeah, if you've just you had a lovely evening. Sex. Yeah. So, Danny Rawlings spent 1985 hitchhiking around the country and crashing on relatives' couches, and God only knows what else he was getting up to during this time. And I totally want like Josh Hallmark season three true crime mm. bullshit like track down Danny is Israel Keys. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> no but like track down where this guy was because we know generally where he was and when but there must be like mm -hmm. a string of unsolved rapes and possibly even murders that could be related could be. to this guy so we know he was in Camarillo, California, Boulder, Colorado, Columbus, Georgia, and the Black Hills of South Dakota around this time. Mm -hmm. I love the Black Hills. I know. Me too. They're so beautiful. They're so They're majestic. So oh my God. Okay. Understandably, Danny had trouble finding steady work, not only due to his criminal record and tendency for not showing up for days on end which makes it hard, uh, but also because he would violently threaten his bosses and coworkers when confronted. Good Lord. So in 86, Danny again turned to armed robbery for cash and was caught robbing a Kroger grocery store, so branching out from the Winn-Dixies. Mm. Love a good um, Kroger. Mm, and was sentenced to four years in prison, his second stint in prison. Less than a month later, he escaped by swimming the Snake River. Jesus, Lord. Don't worry, this repeat violent felon served less than half of his sentence and was paroled by July 1988. Mm. What? And the then fuck? joined the United States Supreme yeah. Court. <laughs> it's just oh. like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I get, ugh. System is broken. This is, okay, now, now it gets even worse. Right. On November 4th, 1989, the bodies of 24-year-old Julie Grissom, her father Tom Grissom, and her 8-year-old nephew slash Tom's grandson, Sean, were found at their home in Shreveport, Louisiana. Julie worked at a local department store, and the family was a happy one, um, they were attacked while they were getting ready for dinner. Just Jesus. like hanging out. Mm -hmm. Julie had been raped and all three victims had been stabbed to death. Julie's body was also cleaned and then elaborately posed on her bed. Ooh. With, with, mm -hmm. I've got some of this in mm -hmm. my case. With her legs spread and her hair carefully fanned out. Oh, mm -hmm. Jesus. There's a lot of posing of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's almost like we had a theme. Weird. Um, Overkill. <laughs> investigators would later put together the fact that the Grissom murders occurred just two days after Danny had been fired from his job for flying into a fit of rage and threatening to kill his manager. Mm-hmm. Danny, okay, so this, I'm going in chronological order, but actually this 
crime wasn't solved until way later. So Danny was always suspected of the triple homicide once once he was caught sure. for other things. But it wasn't until he gave his reverend a handwritten confession note right before his, spoiler alert, execution, that they were... A f- I thought you were going to say gave his reverend a hand job. <laughs> I and thought I was so like, too. the fuck? He did I mean, find Jesus again. He did. Yeah. Yeah. In the penis costal church. Penis oh, costal. Oh no. <laughs> Send your emails to Derek at Wine and Crime Podcast. <laughs> no. Um Attention yeah. Kenyon. <laughs> right right before his execution, he handed his reverend a confession note being know, like gotcha. PS I also did this triple homicide. It was <sighs> nice of him to let them know. I mean yeah, good on bit of closure. Him. Yeah, so nice of him. Yeah, pat him closure on the back. Closure-wise, since it had already I happened. I am just also making fun of you. <laughs> Less than Fine. two months later, Danny attempted rape, attempted to rape and probably kill another woman. So this would be his one, two, three, fourth. Um, by <laughs> the wine the is flowing. by breaking into her home <laughs> where he'd previously peeped on her through the window. Um, luckily for that woman, though, she didn't come home that night, and oh, like thank just God. just sheer luck. And Danny just had no yep, clue. Danny got bored and left the house, but not before taking a few random items with him. Quote about thirty dollars worth of dimes. Okay, weirdo. So he took her dime jar. 300 dimes? It's my dime collection. Damn it. Dime it. Yeah. A a fifth (laughs) of Shivas Regal. Regal? Oh, Shivas. How do you say it? Shivas. Shivas. It's like a, is it a whiskey or a scotch? I think it's like a whiskey. I don't know. Something brown. I don't fuck with the brown. It's gross. Liquor. It makes me too sick. And a 38 caliber revolver. Good. In May 1990, Danny got got in a fight with his abusive father and tried to kill him, shooting James mm-hmm. in the stomach and forehead, which is like the only mm-hmm. good thing maybe he's ever done. And mm-hmm. James Rawling ended up losing an eye and an ear in the altercation. Whoa, weird. Yeah. A head, a shoulder, a knee, and a One toe. One can only <laughs> hope. Yeah, he survived, but yeah, he got pretty fucked up. Um, Danny's crimes are obviously ramping up at this point. So he, he yeah, yeah, it's like closer and closer together. Um, he breaks into a few more houses, steals a few more handguns, as well as another man's ID, um, Michael Kennedy Jr. And he also hits a few more grocery stores for cash. And there's actually a video surveillance from one of the robberies where Danny tells store goers, quote, please pray for me. God knows I need it. Oh, Jesus. So he's like aware that shit's not oh, good. Oh, he, yeah. He's going completely out of control. Mm-hmm. In late July, he evades police and hops on a bus to Florida using his new assumed identity, Michael Kennedy Jr. And here is where this already super dark story gets even more gruesome. In the early, you know mor- what? We need to talk about our friendship. It's <laughs> it's abusive. 
I did warn you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like, yeah, but you warn us every week. I feel like the last <laughs> few have been light. Well, not human sacrifices, but Denver was light. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, sure, but we owe the people a Beyond Stupid after this. We really owe sure. yeah, her. Big, Big time. time. Okay. So in the early morning hours of August 24th, 1990, Danny Rollins, Rawling, sorry, who had checked into a hotel room but was instead opting to camp out in the nearby woods like a fucking predator. Mm-hmm. Broke or a, a nature I enthusiast. I don't know. That is the thing that creeps me out the most of all of this. Camping? The Just camping, camping detail? Near a hotel. That he was camping near his victims. He had a hotel room and was camping. Yeah, that's off. As someone who loves camping, that that's not right. It wasn't like camping either. It was like it was no, like it was like I'm gonna masturbate was, in yeah, a tent twenty yards from yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Just inside the tree line, like a fucking exactly. weirdo. Of course, the camping detail is the most disturbing part to Kenyon, though. It really uh, is. Kenyon's breaking grass, open air. Uh, Are you kidding? You Tits. wake up and the grass is wet. <laughs> Yes, it's due. So gross. Okay. So, I'm not laughing at the case. I'm laughing at wet grass. No, of course not. Okay. Laughing Mm. at you. (laughs) He broke. Okay. So, on August 24th, 1990, he broke into an apartment on the University of Florida campus shared by two 17 year old freshmen. Mm -hmm. Rowling was armed with a handgun and a knife. He first, probably this one of the stolen handguns. He first passed by Christina Powell asleep on the couch downstairs, and he like stood over her for a little while, and she didn't wake up. <gasps> he camped out next Fuck to her. Fuck that shit. And then um, he went upstairs and stabbed and mutilated Sonia Larson to death, mm. and Great. her mouth was taped shut. He was really into the taping, taping and binding mm. and. I wonder if he saw his father do that to his mother. Well, he did. His Ever. father did. I couldn't even get into all of the detailed abuse that he endured as a child, but his father did tie mm-hmm. him up and beat him on several occasions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you um, also don't even need to necessarily have witnessed behaviors like that to be like into it. Well, no, but. I mean, just considering the trajectory of all of these other things that he's done, it's not out of the realm mm-hmm. of thought. Yeah, so who knows where it came from. Right, but be, uh, because her mouth was taped shut, her her screams didn't wake up her sleeping roommate downstairs. Yeah, it, so sure. it could have been a more, like, utilitarian move and not, like, a kink or, like, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He then returned downstairs and raped and murdered... And then raped the corpse again, I believe, of Christina on the couch. Oh my god! So I know, I know that he had sex with one of them after they after their death, and I believe it was Christina, but I don't know that for sure. Mine's a necrophile too. Look, we'll get oh to my it. God. My Can lemur on so many my lemur on his mushroom is looking so good. Good. Can we? I'm gonna take a picture of it. We'll add it to the drive just to balance this bullshit out. Okay. Great, love it. Uh, Danny also took a shower before leaving the crime scene. (sighs) 
thought you were gonna say take it a. It was all the camping. Shit. I don't know why I'm like predicting. It's true. All he was camping. Things. He couldn't. Yeah, didn't have running water. The freak. Uh, the very next day, <laughs> and so shit is is escalating. The very next day, Danny broke into another nearby apartment by prying open the sliding glass doors with a knife and a screwdriver. I fucking hate sliding glass doors. They terrify me. Yeah. Hmm. They, they're not safe. They're n- I'm never. If you can't just slide it open, you can break it. It makes I'm no sense. break a ever. window. Everything should be steel and no one should There's have windows. something about so sliding glass doors. So you'd prefer to live in prison? <laughs> I mean, no. No, I don't want to even, not even bars, just steel walls. <laughs> I want to basically live inside of a stainless steel refrigerator. <laughs> and just have the oxygen slowly dissipate until yeah. you die. <clears throat> no, it would be funneled in. Um, She'd have, go surrounded by snacks and treats, so it'd be, it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I have locked gates on my back doors, which are not sliding glass doors, but they're glass doors, and I have locked iron gates on them. Well, you live okay. in a very dangerous area of the world. <laughs> true. Uh, okay, again, really dark. Still in the really, really, really dark Park cool, of great. This really dark case. Um, Danny then proceeded to tie up 18 year old Krista Hoyt, cut her clothes from her body, and rape her. Also, a lot of cutting of clothes off of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Christina Powell, he made her lie face down and stabbed her repeatedly in the back until her heart ruptured. Oh my Good god, Lord. So def- definitely overkill! Yeah. The body was posed, sitting on the woman's bed, bent over at the waist, and her torso was sliced open down the middle. But in one of the biggest acts of overkill, Rawling cut off... Oh, God, you guys, it's so gross. Cut off his victim's nipples, leaving them next to her on the bed. And he also decapitated Krista's body leaving the head posed on a nearby shelf facing the rest of the body in, like, a grim joke. Why isn't this, like, a movie? It's so gory and grotesque and outrageous. It is. Because it's too real. This was actually a very famous case, and you'll probably have, like, it'll spark, it'll ring a bell in just a moment, but... Yeah, okay. Can't wait. The reason that so basically when when whoever discovered the body walked in, they wouldn't know right away that it was decapitated because of how it was like bent over, and then they mm. would like flip it up and realize it was decapitated, and then look over and see the head sitting on a shelf. So it was like all planned out. It's like some seven. Oh, yeah, like booby trapped, booby trapped, yeah. scary prank, mm-hmm. but not a prank. Yeah. Yeah. So Danny, being the religious guy that he was, took he found took Sunday off from raping and murdering. Oh, good. Because it's Gad's day. Um, I'm being tongue in cheek because he was not religious anymore, really. But um, he was back at it on the fucking Monday. But by now, word day of rest. Yeah. By now, word of the brutal killings had spread, and because it was the very beginning of the school year, so like late August, some students had actually unenrolled from the University of Florida out of fear of 
oh, of I bet. being the next victim. I don't blame them at all yeah. for that. And can't say I, I would have unenrolled probably. This this is disgusting. It's not worth no. it. It's it's terrifying. Um and then the press gave him a like named this killer. And so this is probably what will be familiar to you. His name in the press was the Gainesville Ripper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Danny stuck to his M.O. on the Monday. He pried open sliding glass doors of another young co-ed's apartment. 23-year-old Tracy Pauls or Paulus um, had a male roommate, 24-year-old Manuel uh, Taboda, and he went by Manny. Um, so Danny attacked Manny while the man was in bed. Uh, so he must have walked around the house and like realized that there was like a man living there. Right. Taking him out. So it's easier to get to exactly. the woman. Um, there was a struggle obviously, but also Danny had like attacked him while he was asleep. So he didn't, mm-hmm. Manny didn't really have much of a chance and um, was killed. And Danny did not pose this body. Mm, so he saved that only for like his female. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't really his intended target. He was just an obstacle. Right, exactly. Interesting. Um, he then moved on to Tracy, his last victim, and I won't go into the details, but it was basically the same MO as the past murders. Mm-hmm. Um, also, all three female victims were petite, brown-eyed, Caucasian, and brunette. So really reminiscent of like Ted Bundy. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, and also reminiscent of Ted Bundy in that, like, his crimes completely escalated into like an uncontrollable spree. Sure. Um, was his also- wife? Was his wife uh, Olmetha? Olatha? Olmetha? Or um, his mom? Did they fit that physical description? That is a really good question. I don't know. I will look into hmm. it. I know that his first, the first woman he raped looked like Omefa, but I don't know if all of them did. Hmm. Um, Danny also would later claim that he wanted to be a, quote, superstar like Bundy. Yuck. Yuck. You're not a superstar, buddy. You're just... You're a nightmare. Yeah. Initially, police fingered two other suspects. I hate that term, so I had to use it, like leaf peeping. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. One of whom had a history of mental illness, so he was kind of like an easy scapegoat. Um, And this this other suspect, who ended up being completely innocent, had recently been in like a car accident, so his face was all cut up. So then in like images in the Mm. press, he had like a totally beat up face. So, and it wasn't even him, and it wasn't him at all. He was completely innocent. Yeah. Um, But when Danny Rowling was yet again arrested for burglary in early September, police put all the pieces together. So he was on the run for like ten days, basically. Sure. Um, Unexpectedly, as they were like prepping for trial. Rawling confessed to the Florida murders before the trial started. 
So he didn't confess when he was arrested, but he confessed before the trial actually started. Um, Although he would later attempt to appeal his conviction and death sentence, even though he confessed. Classic. On October 25th, 2006, after exhausting all of his appeals, Danny Rawling was executed by lethal injection at the Florida State Prison. And I'm not... Bye. I am not for the death penalty, but... I also don't believe no, that this person bye. could ever be rehabilitated. Yeah. Um, he's. I think my guy also died in 2006. Did you do we the same case? We have so many parallels. I really <laughs> hope not. We didn't. I promise. We did not do the same case. This trust time. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> he actually sang his last words, which were a gospel hymn. And this was as his victim's families watched on because they were in the room, like looking through the two-way or the one-way, whatever, mirror. Um, Rawlings' last meal, this is a quote, consisted of a lobster tail served with drawn butter, butterfly shrimp with Mm. cocktail sauce, a baked potato (laughs) with sour cream and butter, strawberry cheesecake, and sweet tea. I'm going to be real. That sounds yeah, incredible. Yeah, sounds really good. Lots of butter. <laughs> What's drawn butter? Oh, hot hot like butter child. Hot melted mm, butter. Drawn butter. Drawn butter. Mm. So that is yep. this complete fuckface who, to be fair, was completely horrifically abused as a child and witnessed horrific abuse as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually I read also that, um, after he was arrested and had, uh, confessed to the Florida murders, one press outlet got his like mother to speak, uh, I think over the phone or like over the, you know, radio or whatever to be interviewed. And in the background, you could hear his father screaming at his mother and she had to like leave the interview. I'm shocked that they're still together and that she's still alive or at that time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they are now in 2019, but this was back oh in God. 1990. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really sad. Mm-hmm. That is really sad. It's horrific. Nicely so done. I feel like the fan, a lot of the fan picks are super dark. Just saying. True. But I do the same fan pick episodes that you do <laughs> without always going there. Okay. Well, yours it's, sounds... Can you your mythology. <laughs> yours sounds like it goes pretty dark this week. Just saying. It does. It does. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. You know what I hate, ladies? Mm. What? Go into the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Go into I hate store. <laughs> now, uh, going outside of my apartment is a thing I don't like to do. So... Mm-hmm. Instacart has totally changed my life. Let me tell you all about the benefits of Instacart. You can have groceries delivered in as fast as one hour, or my personal fave to do is at a time that works with your schedule. So I'll literally be like, I'm going to be home around this time. Can you please have your groceries, have my groceries delivered there? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, they have exclusive <laughs> yeah. coupons, so you can save money with coupons on pantry staples. They are available at your favorite stores, and groceries can be delivered from local and national retailers, which is awesome. You get that variety. And there are tons of other perks, like no sitting in traffic, no putting on a bra, no looking for parting, parking, no waiting in the checkout line behind the old lady who still writes checks for some <laughs> inexplicable reason. <laughs> right. I can't. Yes. Yeah. Instacart is well worth it. So here's how it works. You can choose either get the app or go to instacart.com and shop the groceries you need from your favorite local retailers. Instacart shops for you. Your shopper Ugh. gathers your groceries with care and attention by selecting excellent produce and contacting you if necessary. And then Instacart mm-hmm. delivers. Your groceries will arrive in as little as an hour or at a time you select. They also keep hot items hot and cold items cold let me tell you the last couple weeks we've been recovering from tour i have just been busting my butt getting caught up on work on you know laundry the last thing Mm -hmm. i want to do is really cook a meal but if i need groceries at all instacart has saved my life i can just be like hey Mm -hmm. i need melons make sure they're fresh and juicy i need bananas make sure they're Mm -hmm. not brown Mm-hmm. Yeah, I obviously yep. need chocolate chip cookies, and they Joy. can come. <laughs> They're there in as little as an hour, but it's like mm-hmm. barely enough time to take a shower. So it's, it's amazing. amazing, incredible. I love it. So try Instacart and get ten dollars off your first order. To get this limited time offer, go to instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code GALS G A L S at checkout. That's ten bucks off your first order today at instacart.com or through the mobile app. And don't forget to enter our code GALS instacart.com or through the mobile app with our code GALS at checkout. Treat yo life. Treat it. So I learned something recently that was pretty shocking. Did you know that over 19 million women in America lack reasonable access to something as fundamental as birth control? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ridiculous. Or that a third of women have used their birth control inconsistently to save money? Been there mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Oh, Not totally. safe. Mm. That's not okay. So fortunately, we have an exciting new sponsor that is doing something totally revolutionary with birth control access in the United States. And, well, it's about damn time somebody did. Mm -hmm. They're called Simple Health, and they are here to make your health care, you guessed it, simple. (laughs) Starting with online birth control prescriptions and free home delivery. It is safe to say that the existing health care system can prevent women from getting the care that they need. Pretty safe to say whether Mm -hmm. it's insurance barriers, income, or physical location, like if you live in a very small town. can be really hard to get the care that you need. Simple Health thought of a better way. Yeah, with Simple Health, you can get birth control prescribed online and delivered to your door each month for free. Mm -hmm. You know how much we hate to leave our houses. Oh, Mm -hmm. Uh, put on bras. No thanks. Right. No thanks. So with Simple Health, it is convenient, affordable, and safe to get your birth control delivered to your door. So whether you're already on birth control or you're looking to get back on it or you want to try it for the first time, Simple Health will take care of you. So here's how it works. You go to simplehealth.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, where you'll fill out a comprehensive online health profile. We love a good quiz. And answer some questions formulated to get the best birth control for you, your 
your body, your preferences, your insurance situation. They take it all into account. And then a licensed doctor will review your information and determine if you're a good candidate for birth control and then write you a prescription for the right method. Whether you know the exact brand you want or you want a recommendation to try something you haven't tried before, they can prescribe over 100 trusted brands of the pill as well as the patch and the ring. Mm. And then your birth control ships to your door for free. And also automatic refills. So you never have to worry about forgetting a refill or missing a pill again. I have burst into tears in the doctor's office before because Mm -hmm. I forgot to refill my birth control prescription. And like, life is busy, y'all. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's hard. You never remember until like the day you're supposed to start a new pack. Yeah, and then it's like a Sunday over Memorial Day weekend and you're like, dang. And they're like, JK, Um, you need to come in for an entire examination before we can refill your prescription. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God. So with Simple Health, uh, it's it's awesome because they put folks in control of their own health. In a world mm-hmm. where uh, health policy, especially reproductive health policy, is dictated by legislators or insurance plans and not Ugh. the folks who have the issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, they truly believe that access to a doctor, insurance, or cost should never prevent people from getting birth control, and they are helping cut down those barriers. But don't just take it from us. Simple Health has already been rated five stars by hundreds of women. You can check out their reviews on their site. Um, I am a fan. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. And best of all, Simple Health is free with most insurance plans. So you can pay absolutely nothing to use the service every month. For those without insurance, it's still super affordable because pills start at just 15 bucks a month and monthly shipping is free for everyone. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. The annual prescription is usually $20, but our listeners can try Simple Health for free. Just go to simplehealth.com forward slash gals or enter the code GALS at checkout. And we want to mention that this isn't a replacement for routine checkups with your doctor. Mm -hmm. That's still super important. You still need those for your overall health, but it is truly the most convenient and comfortable way to get your birth control. Again, don't miss your chance to try Simple Health for free. Go to simplehealth.com forward slash gals or simply enter the promo code gals at checkout. If you use birth control, this is going to save you a lot of time and money. And if you don't use birth control, tell someone in your life about Simple Health and help improve everyone's access to healthcare. Everyone wins. Mm-hmm. Treat your relative anxiety surrounding your reproductive system. Yes, treat it. <laughs> Song Finch works with hundreds of professional artists, musicians, and songwriters to bring your stories and memories to life through one-of-a-kind radio-quality songs. With personalized mm-hmm. songs starting at $99 and delivered within a week, so fast, mm-hmm. yeah. they will handcraft the best gift that you can give. And the best gift you can receive because yeah. uh, for my birthday last year, Lucy and Amanda got me a Song Finch song um, called like When You Come Back and we mm-hmm. played it on an episode and I honestly, it was so 
lovely and mm-hmm. sweet. You cried. And I cried. I cried not you even cried. just the first time. I cried like the next 10 times that I listened to it. It's I hit so... on the songwriter on Twitter. Yeah. It didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was so great. It would like, it wasn't cheesy at all. It was just like such a wonderful gift. And the fact mm-hmm. that you can get such a personalized gift delivered within one week. So when you're mm-hmm. like, Oh God, what am I going to get this person? Oh, Sash, never mind. Thoughtful gift one yeah. week yeah. later. The most mm-hmm. personalized thing you could ever give. It's amazing. Yeah. So with Songfinch, they offer personalized songs starting at just $99 and they are delivered within seven days. And they have a songwriting community of over 350 professional musicians. And that number, that community is actually growing. And you can get mm-hmm. any type of, any genre of music you could possibly yeah. imagine. Lucy and Amanda got me a song that was like kind of R&B oh, style. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Oh, <laughs> so good. I'm just, I can yeah. hear it right now. I'm like, just like groove into it. It was amazing. There are so many occasions and uses for it, like guilting your friends on another continent to move back home, or maybe like a wedding, or an anniversary, a birthday, Valentine's Day. I'm still holding out for someone to either break up with somebody or file for divorce with a song Finch song. And I know that money is tight around here, folks. So in order for you to do that amazing breakup delivery song Finch song, we're gonna offer you $20 off your personalized song from scratch by using our promo code GALS at checkout. That's G-A-L-S. Again, that's for $20 off your personalized song from scratch by using the promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, at checkout. Treat yo ears. Okay. So, yeah. This is the darkest case I think I've ever covered. Oh, good. Well, you'll balance mine out. (sighs) Yeah. And I'm equal parts titillated and disgusted with myself. So here we go. I am <laughs> slamming wine, you guys. Yeah. yeah. We're drunk diving um, the shit out of this after this. Yeah. My lemur is getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> worse and worse. And I just want to say, like, if you are inclined to jump in about, like, certain potential revealing things, just don't because we'll get to it. I don't think I know anything about this case, actually. Okay. Okay. Uh, We are talking today about serial killer Jerome Jerry Brudos. And this dude was so fucked up that Ann Rule wrote a book about him called Mm -hmm. The Lust Killer. So pick that one up in your local store. Um, Jerry was born on New Year's Eve of 1939 to parents Henry and Eileen Brudos in Webster, South Dakota. Speaking of the Black Hills. Oh, my God. Never heard of it. He was the youngest of two boys and apparently um, appeared to be troubled from the very beginning. Mm. Uh, His family moved frequently, spending time in Oregon and California as well as South Dakota. And several articles reported that his relationship with his mother, Eileen, was tumultuous at best, referring to her as, quote, overbearing, which is like fucking patriarchy, but she was not exactly a peach. Also, Um, like this next generation, like every single person is going to be like, my parents were overbearing. I mean, also that already happens. Right. It just like everyone blames their parents for fucking everything. It's what it's. Um, but you know, he, he saw rough times as well. Just kind of like your guy, but not nearly as extreme. Um, though historically the youngest sibling is the most doted on Jerry remembers 
not getting enough love and attention as a child. Some reports say Eileen had really wanted a daughter and not a second son, and this led to her dislike and mistreat her son. He endured years of mental and physical abuse at the hands of his mother, including one detail I read on fucking Yahoo Lifestyle because I went down (laughs) every rabbit hole for this case. Um, That she would dress him in girls' clothing and humiliate him. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Really fucked up. Just again, misgendering your children in either direction. Not good. Not healthy. Like, if you're horrified by this, then you should be equally as horrified when a kid comes out as trans and the Mm -hmm. parents refuse to accept it. Because that is the same fucking bullshit misgendering. I feel Mm -hmm. it. Um, So, just a little note that fetishes develop for all kinds of reasons and are by no means caused by trauma in every situation. And that said, our brains are complicated devices. And sometimes in the act of trying to process things that we don't understand, new behaviors will emerge. Possibly under the abuse of his mother and shame over not being born a beloved daughter, Jerry, at a young age, developed a bit of a fetish for high heels and women's underwear, which is actually super fucking common. And again, Mm -hmm. I am not fetish shaming or saying that all fetishes develop from trauma or unhealthy behavior because they definitely do not. Or that all Mm -hmm. fetishes are a negative thing. No, they're definitely not. I (laughs) do not. Yeah. Yeah, I have plenty. Anyway, um, this fascination started early. When he was five years old, he found a pair of women's high heels in a nearby junkyard. He brought them home to try them on. And when his mother caught him, she humiliated him for it and destroyed the shoes like right in front oh, of him. This, that's um, ringing a bell. I remember that. Okay. We'll get to it. Um, in preschool, he was caught stealing his teacher's heels, but did his family nurture him and t- make him feel like less alone after this discovery? Of course mm-hmm. not. Mm-mm. He instead began long years of being in and out of psychiatric hospitals at the hands oh of his closed-minded God. parents. Mm-hmm. For wearing some shoes. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. I mean, and it's totally like a homophobia thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not just shoes. I understand that. But like, it's, it's just shoes. Yeah. It's never just shoes. Yeah, never a mannequin. <laughs> That's true. Um, this is how you create a serial killer, just so you fucking know. Mm-hmm. Like, just <laughs> mistreating your children. Just Here's the formula. Add water. Yeah. Oh, you I wanted know, a daughter? Here's oh, a serial killer. <laughs> Here's a serial killer instead. I know I'm being super judgmental, and there are absolutely, like, tons of nuances that I'm not able to gather from reading Yahoo Lifestyle. <laughs> but uh, this Name kind one. Of, I know, right? <laughs> but this kind of shaming and like, for lack of a word that exists, abnormalization of developing sexual behavior is super fucking dangerous and often leads to self-harm that to that child or for that child, but can in some extreme cases lead to what we're going to get to. What year um, was this again? The, it was the 60s. It was the 60s. Well, okay. it was the 60s when he kind of popped off. This happened in like the late 40s when he was a kid. Okay. Um. So all that said, it's also not all Eileen's fucking fault that her son turned into a complete monster. Nature and nurture. Okay, moving on. So... As a teenager, his behavior escalated to violence in an extreme way. He developed a nasty habit of stalking other girls Mm. his age, Mm. at times even going as far as to sneak up behind them and knock them unconscious, (gasps) stealing their shoes off their feet and scurrying away like a creepy rat. Have we we never covered this guy? We have not. Mm. Oh, my Lord. 
Um, and as we know, without a safe, accepted, and consensual environment in which to have your needs met, shit can escalate big time as a result of a combination of deep shame and desperation. And this came mm-hmm. to a head when Jerry was 17, when knocking out a teenager and stealing her shoes wasn't enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Jerry kidnapped another teenage girl and threatened to kill her if she did not comply with what he wanted. He stripped her, sexually assaulted her, and took photographs of her. He uh, was sentenced to another stay in the psychiatric ward of the Oregon State Hospital and finished his high school education basically behind bars, like in a psychiatric prison, basically. Mm-hmm. But he was released. And once he was released, he briefly joined the army, uh, but was discharged. And I read a few reports that say this discharge was a result of like bizarre behavior on becoming of a soldier. So they probably caught him. Mm. You know, he, he sometimes would like to wear women's clothing or at least the underwear and the shoes. Like, again, it's the whole like, we're not gay. Get out of the army. Or it could have been worse um, than that. We don't so know. So after the army, he took work as an electrician and like a mechanic. And at about the age of 22, he married 17-year-old Darcy in Salem, Oregon. 17? S- yeah. It was yeah. the 60s. Yeah. I guess. Um, Very and soon similar after, to my guy. Yeah. Uh, soon after getting married, they had two kids, a boy and a girl, um, and things were pretty quiet. It appeared that his violent outbursts were behind him or were they? Mm. Spoiler alert, they weren't because they were this is our show. Yeah. <laughs> In secret, Jerry was sneaking into women's homes in the neighborhood and stealing their shoes and undergarments. Yeah. I couldn't find much information on whether he had shared his sexual fantasies with his wife, but this sneaky behavior would suggest that he hadn't, or at least not to their full extent. However, Wikipedia, most reliable source of all time, mm-hmm. noted mm-hmm. that he often had his wife do housework naked, but for a pair of high heels while he took photos. Which, like... Tell your partner what you're into and get their consent. Because honestly, if my partner asked me to do this, I would totally do it. I would love to see the photos. Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, I will fully vacuum (laughs) naked in heels and then balance out the patriarchal grossness of that scene by like fucking dominating you. But I will not, however, cook you bacon (laughs) naked. That is a mistake I only had to make once and I learned my lesson. Never (laughs) cook bacon in the nude. I've done it. It hurts. Yum. (laughs) And when you you think you have like a uh what is it called a cooking an apron i was gonna say a cooking shield um (laughs) i clearly don't cook when you think you have an apron that's gonna like cover you properly enough Mm -hmm. it doesn't Mm -hmm. and you discover that quickly by cooking bacon naked yeah you know what an apron that covers you properly to cook bacon in the nude is called clothes an outfit of clothing (laughs) a long sleeve shirt and long pants and also a mask and a hat Okay. <laughs> and maybe goggles. a helmet. So anyway, and goggles. Helmet. he's sneaking into people's homes and stealing shoes and panties, but like hadn't really been violent at all since he was a teen. That script flipped again, starting in 1968 with poor Linda Slauson. She was a 19 year old door to door encyclopedia salesperson. <gasps> Yeah. Why were there so many encyclopedia salesmen? I I don't know. Because we didn't have the internet. It was the 60s. Yeah. You had to look sales people. Yeah, but uh, whatever. Um, Okay. But she had the absolute fucking terrible luck of knocking on Jerry's door in January of 1968. And y'all just fucking Uh. buckle up. While his wife and children were in another room, Jerry lured Linda into the basement and knocked her unconscious with a two by four. Mm -hmm. 
His and then family s- was home. They were home and we'll get to it. <gasps> um, and strangled Linda to death. He then dressed her in the array of underwear and shoes that he had stolen. He removed the clothes she was wearing and then and dressed her up like a fucking grotesque doll. Got his rocks off by posing and photographing her and finally used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he kept in the freezer, pulling out occasionally to model his collection of high heel shoes. On the foot. On the severed foot. Wait, is she dead? Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the first things he did was knock her out and strangle her to death. And then oh, tra- I missed the strangling. Okay. Yeah. Like he's, he's a necrophile and will he's every tier. Like we will okay. definitely get to it. Okay. So fucking overkill to the max. Uh, he disposed of the body in the Willamette river. Linda was an easy kill, literally arriving right on his doorstep. But now he had a thirst for it. This is the first time he'd murdered someone yep. um, and needed his next fix. So he found that fix in 18-year-old Karen Sprinker, who he abducted at gunpoint from a mall parking lot in May of that same year. So things are just cruising along. Yeah. Um, something was different this time, however. Jerry himself had donned women's, women's clothing to carry out this attack. Um, it wasn't clear whether he now did that every time. It sounds like he did it maybe a couple times, but not every time that he would be out getting his victims while wearing women's clothing. Okay. Um, bah, 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 bah. He brought her back home to his garage, this time keeping her alive as he made her try on his collection of panties and pose while he photographed her. He sexually assaulted her and strangled her by hanging her by the neck from a pulley system that he had rigged to the ceiling of his garage. Oh my God. And his family is like in the house. Yeah. Again, he was a mechanic. So this could have been, or even just operated kind of like an engine lift. Like he did engineering or uh, engine mechanics and shit and electronics repair. Um, So he had kind of like a workshop in his garage and like using those items would be loud, but I mean, we'll kind of get to that too. Right. Um, Oh God. He kept the body. He kept her body for several days, had sex with her body on several occasions. And finally, oh my God, it's so bonkers. Cut off her breasts Mm -hmm. to make resin molds, which he used as paperweights. Okay. He dipped the severed breasts in clear resin and used them as paperweights. Paperweights are a very psycho thing to own. Just Mm -hmm. saying. Yep. I don't have a single one and I've got a lot of paper. At this point, a set of encyclopedias is kind of a psycho thing to own. (laughs) That's true. In 2019, that is, if you own a set of encyclopedias, I'm calling the police. I can't. I'm trying to even like understand the logistics of taking severed breasts and making them into resin molds. Well, he didn't make them into uh, that. That was, I miswrote that. He didn't make them into molds. Well, yeah, he he molded that. He 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 made resin replicas of the breast. No, he encased them in resin. The human breast was floating in clear resin, which hardens around the breast, and that was the paperweight. Oh, my God. The breast was inside of it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought you just meant it was in the shape. No. No. Oh, my God. Okay, when I was in middle school... Oh, great. Oh, God. Speaking of breast Either, paperweights. Someone was at my house. I think it was Kenyon, or it might oh, have been no. Kelly, in which case this story is lost forever. Um, 
Anyway, my dad was working in the garage, and I was, like, doing my homework with someone at the dining room table, and he opened the garage door, and he goes, Lucy, go get your mom. And I was just like, Mom, Dad wants you. And he goes, go get your mother right now. And I was like, oh, my God. So I ran downstairs. Mm -hmm. He had reached underneath his wooden workbench, and there was a big-ass splinter sticking out, and he just jammed his, I think it was his middle finger and the splinter went between his finger and his nail and then, like, back out the other, like, the top of his finger, like, halfway down. Why was, does this have anything to do with yeah. what because, I just said? Because he went to the ER, he got the splinter removed. Of course, my mother kept it, and we made a resin paperweight with the splinter inside. <laughs> okay, there the we go. The bloody splinter. Great. Your so family. Get, like, I get it. But no, no. With the homicide breast part, so yeah. that's a little out of my league. A little, but. a little past. <sighs> the yeah. paperweight, the paperweight memento. I understand. Okay, Lucy, uh, overkill. Yeah. I get a lot <laughs> of overkill. ingrown toenails, and I want to have those like surgery nope. to like really get them out for good. <laughs> nope. And Keep I would, them. I would turn that shit into a paperweight. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I'm really sad that I <laughs> did this case. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so just as he had disposed of Linda, he disposed of Karen in the Willamette River. So you're probably wondering how his wife didn't know that all of this was going down in their garage, and I was too, so I looked into this. Uh, so this was clearly a controlling and abusive marriage. He forbade her from certain areas of their home, yeah, and he even had, had uh, installed an intercom system and instructed... Uh, his wife to only enter if she was like given permission to do so. And that if he was like working in the garage, she would have to use the intercom to communicate with him instead of coming into the garage. Cause he didn't nope. want to be like disturbed while he was working. Nope. She obeyed his every command and staunchly denied having any knowledge of his depraved hobby and was even Ugh. charged as an accessory after his capture. But those charges never stuck because there simply wasn't any evidence that proved she actually knew like any shit that was going down there. I personally think it was a combination of fear, abuse and denial. I think she knew, she knew to some extent, if not the total extent and didn't want to be his next victim. She had two children to protect. Um, I also read something that suggested that there may have also been, um, some like mental capacity issues with her, mm. but I couldn't confirm that. I'm I'm not sure. These are all just like possibilities. Um, well, the the denial seems it's completely enough. plausible. Yeah, that's Absolutely, enough. Absolutely, that's enough. Um, yeah. And so while I also think it's unfortunate and fucked up that she didn't go to police when things got real suspicious, boob paperweight, Darcy, boob paperweight. But did she see the boob paperweights? Yeah, but it was probably in his area where she wasn't allowed. That's true. I mean, I don't know. But either way, fear is a strong motivator and can absolutely silence you. So I I I really don't blame her for being like, oh, fuck. Yeah, she was an abused wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So November 26th of the same year, 1968, this is becoming a fucking spree. Um, Jerry comes across 23-year-old Jan Susan Whitney, who was stuck on the side of the interstate with a broken down car between the towns of Salem, where Jerry and Darcy lived, um, and Albany, Oregon. He pulled over and offered to give her a ride to his home in nearby Salem, saying she could use his phone to call a tow truck and wait for a ride. Nope. Don't chance thinking it. Sh- 
yeah, no, don't chance it. But this was also, again, the 60s, no cell Before phones. Cell like, phones. What are you going to do? I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Thinking she was being helped by a good Samaritan, she accepted and got in his car. Within minutes of their drive together, he pulled his car over and strangled her to death with a leather strap that he had handy. Oh. He sexually violated her body before bringing the body back to his garage to hang and dress in the panties and shoes. He once again removed a breast to dip in resin and make a paperweight. She hung in his garage for several days before he once again disposed of her in the Willamette River, this time along with Linda's severed foot, which had finally begun to rot and was no longer a suitable model for his shoe collection. Oh my I know, God. I know that it's never a mannequin, but did this guy know that he could buy a mannequin? A mannequin. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. <laughs> really? Get a fucking mannequin. I know. Or I like a different type of paperweight. Mm-hmm. God. With like a fake boob in it. Like I, if you can imagine. Well, again, no internet. Like now, if you can imagine it, you can order it online. Yeah, Amazon. Oh, yeah, Etsy. Yeah, seriously, Etsy's where it's at. Ah, Society Six. Anyway, April 21st and 22nd of 1969, he made a couple failed uh, abduction attempts at a mall parking lot. Um, And by the grace of God, Sharon Wood and Gloria Jean Smith, 24 and 15 years old, respectively, did not meet the horrific fate of the three before them. But Jerry would successfully strike again the next day. So on the 21st of April, he tried with Sharon and failed. On the 22nd of April, he tried with Gloria and failed. And now Mm -hmm. on April 23rd, he goes to another mall parking lot to try again um, and capture 22-year-old Linda Sally. Um, It really is such a compulsion. It is. Like he failed and failed and kept going back every day until he succeeded. Right. And I mean, it only took him three days, but like it, it, I hate, I, you can't think about it too much because now it's like, oh, when I go to Target, what day am I going? Am I going on like day two of this guy? Yeah. Fucking trying to abduct me and make my tits into paperweights. Or am I going <laughs> on the successful day three? Like, don't leave your house. It's not worth it. And also don't stay home. Wink wine club. Right. So for the most <laughs> part, he stuck to his MO, but for two details, One, he decided not to use her breasts for paperweights because they were, quote, too pink. Oh, my God. Because he already had paperweights. You don't need that many. You don't have that much paper. He definitely does not have that much paper. Fuck off. And two, he shocked the body with an electrical current in an attempt to make it move and jump, which apparently failed. They really get very... There's like a running thread mm-hmm. of some of these types where they get very like DIY inventive. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking bizarre. It's very yeah. bizarre. I I can't. I like can't what is that? I wanted that. to do an arts and crafts murders uh, episode, but I feel like we've covered them because we've covered Ted Bundy. He was very or not Ted Bundy. Uh, Dahmer. Who am I thinking of Dahmer. Yeah, very arts and craftsy. Yeah. This guy, obviously. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are a billion more, but it's, it's really just bizarre. It's such a strange Super detail. Weird. What a weird mm. creative outlet. Just get I a coloring it. book like the rest I, of yeah, us. I fucking mm-hmm. hate it. Um, once again, he disposed of Linda in the Willamette River. This would be Jerry's final attack because a month later, in May of 1969, excuse me, oh my God, I'm dying. A fisherman found the bodies of Karen Sprinker 
and Linda Sally in the Long Tom River, which joins the Willamette River south of of uh joins the Willamette River south of Peterson, south of where <laughs> Jerry had been disposing of the weighed down bodies. So mm-hmm. with little evidence on the bodies themselves. Did he weigh them down with boob resin anchors that he God, made? No, mm-hmm. he weighed them down with car parts. Ugh. Um with little evidence on the bodies themselves, police began their search on uh, Oregon State University campus, which was nearby, right uh, near where the folks were discovered, where these bodies were discovered. Uh, while questioning students about potentially suspicious activity on or near campus, because both of these women were young, so it's like, oh shit, they easily could have been right. students at, at Oregon State. Um, several female students mentioned an older guy, clearly not a student who looked like a war veteran who regularly cold called female students at the dorms to ask them on dates. Nope. Ew. Yeah. One student had agreed to go on a date with him and recalled him freaking her the fuck out as he casually discussed murdering women or like how he wanted, like fantasized about strangling women. Oh my God. Why are you so casual about it? Because he's not of his right mind. Um, and this sparked an idea for the cops to set a quote honey trap for Jerry Brudos. Mm-hmm. So this student agreed to wait for Jerry to call again, which apparently didn't have to wait long. It happened within like a week. Um, and instructed her to accept a date with him. Oh, so God. She's he the probably bait. was like, What? This never happens. Well, she went, she, I think she's the same student who went in the first place and he freaked her out. So it's like, I could see this dude being so fucking cocky and gross that like he wouldn't think twice about her saying yes. accepting another date, you know? Right. Definitely. Um, so she waited for him to call again and accepted the date with him. She arranged a time and a meeting place. And I read in a few places that this was at her fucking dorm that she like agreed to let him come to her dorm as oh. the meeting place, which is super <laughs> terrifying, but it all turned out okay for her. Um, when he arrived, he was greeted by police who questioned him and thus began their full investigation. He was identified by one of the women he attempted to kidnap and, and a search warrant for his home was acquired as a result of this identification. So fucking yes, brave hero queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she picked him out in a lineup or in photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife in, was like, you can't go in there. It's against the rules. Yeah. You haven't used the intercom. In his home, police found plenty of evidence, including the fucking post-mortem photos that he had taken of his victims. Mm -hmm. His home was most certainly covered in DNA, but this was the 60s and that technology wasn't really used until the 80s. So the Mm -hmm. photos were the damning evidence that they needed. Mm -hmm. He was arrested and made a full confession. And on June 28th, 1969, Brutos pled guilty to three first-degree murders, Karen Sprinker, Jan Susan Whitney, and Linda Sally. And was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life imprisonment in the Oregon State Penitentiary. He did confess to Linda Slauson's murder, the first murder, as well, but was neither tried nor convicted for it because he did not uh, make and keep photographs of her body. Unlike in the other cases, he only photographed the foot, which was never recovered, and the foot was detached, so they couldn't prove that that was like from her. Mm. Oh, because it was all pre-DNA. All pre-DNA, yep. Um, <sighs> it's super fucked up. So they they just felt the evidence wasn't there to, like, tack on that conviction. And from the perspective of the state or the DA, it probably just, like, wasn't worth the risk. And they knew they were going to put him away anyway. Yeah, he probably already would have gotten life. 
He, I mean, he did. He got three consecutive like life sentences yeah. without mm-hmm. that. But it's still super fucked up for poor Linda's family. Like, yeah. they know that he did it, so there is some justice. But he get he has to go face trial and conviction for all the murders but hers. And I think that would be really fucking devastating as the family. Yeah. Although I don't know, and of course I can't. I can't actually put myself in these shoes. Well, some don't want to go to trial because that's yeah. also traumatic in and of itself. It's like I yeah. get that. Yeah. I think for me, I would want those fuckers, like, I would want to see the justice carried out for my loved one, but I also, again, have never been in that scenario, so I I don't know. That's easier said than done. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. While incarcerated, Brutos had piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell. He even wrote to major shoe companies asking for them, claiming they were his substitute for pornography. Mm-hmm. The press had given him the nickname the Shoe Fetish Slayer, and if this is all sounding familiar, the shoe guy in the first season of Mindhunter is based on this guy. Okay, that's why I'm like, are you sure we haven't covered this case? Yeah, because they yeah. tell that story of him like finding the. Sh- he tells the story of finding the shoes in the junkyard and like right. his mother shaming him. Yeah, right. Okay, because that, that's, that's all why based I was like, on this I'm guy. picturing this so vividly. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Um, So his wife, Darcy, after eight years of marriage, finally divorced him, changed her name and moved away with her children. Again, she was not convicted or even brought to trial for being an accessory because there was no evidence. If you will. Oh, God, I won't. (laughs) Um, Jerry filed for countless appeals, all of which were shot down. Mm -hmm. In 1995, the parole board finally told Brutus that he would never be released. They're like, quit fucking wasting everyone's time and money. Like, just stop. You're never getting out. Don't bother. You Um, cut off a woman's foot to use it as your shoe mannequin. You in here now. Yeah, you live here now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He died on March 28th, 2006. Look at that. Oh, my God. This is fucking creepy. Of liver cancer while in prison. Bang. I feel like we just did an episode of Mindhunter. We did. Like, with both of our cases. (laughs) I was also Mm going to bring up Mindhunter with the Atlanta child murders. How, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. it was only the two adults that were found. Yeah. That implicated that guy, but just assumed that he also killed all those children, but none of those went to trial. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. Like, fuck that. I know. It's so sad. And unfortunately, like, I mean, even after reading Billy Jensen's book and, like, just doing that, that book talk with him... In Minneapolis, it's like that shit happens all all the time. time where it's I'm like sure. now that we have all this amazing DNA evidence and like the ability to kind of cross check some of that in public and well, not for the police, but there are also those private like twenty three and Me databases. Season more of justice, more, bitches. Yeah, more and more shit is going to come out, and like a lot of killers that confess to certain crimes but not others, and maybe have been sentenced to death or have just straight up died are probably going to be found responsible for a lot of Hopefully. unsolved cases. Yeah. Yeah, they say that they say that uh sometimes murderers will confess to some crimes and not others because they want to keep those other ones as just for themselves. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. get or, off on the idea that no one else knows about them. Right, they want to keep them as treasures if they're particularly or good chips. or bargaining mm-hmm. chips or mm-hmm. they aren't proud of them so they don't claim right. them. Yeah. It mm-hmm. didn't go quite to the plan, and so they don't want them tarnishing their record. 
Right. Yeah. And honestly, I'd actually be very curious to see if there's any DNA follow-up on some of these cases, though these four killings are closed cases, so I don't see why they would be reopened. But, like, he is confirmed to have killed these four women. That does not mean he didn't kill more women. And it's mm-hmm. suspected that he did, and it will just take some sleuthing to, like, track where he was and other people who may have gone missing and, you know, shit yeah. like that. It's Especially like, it's since very he was possible. hunting so prolifically, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at that year in and around Oregon, 1968 to 1969, and seeing if there's any other unsolved or even like Jane Doe cases mm-hmm. that could fall within the parameters of this. Like, if he's dumping shit in the river, yeah. I mean, some of that stuff could wash away and not have been discovered yet. Like, it, oh, that's yeah. entirely possible. Absolutely. So, I don't know. Get to work, Billy Jensen. Get mm-hmm. to work. Come on. Come on, Billy. And that's my case. <laughs> well nice. done. Job, I guess. (laughs) This was a doozy of an episode. Fucking doozy. Special thanks to Nick Heno. There's no way Heno. Thank you. (laughs) How much we are triggered by this episode. (laughs) How much we love you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, Thank you also, Amanda Linton. Mm. You can clean the lint out of my belly button mm. any day Ooh, with your five you bucks a month. Lint okay. your hat on. Oh, wow. You can lint your hat on. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ashley Garcia. Uh, by the grace of Garcia, we are accepting <laughs> your $5 a month donation. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you, Cara Williams. Cara me. You are dear to me, <laughs> Cara Williams. Great. Or Kara. We care about you. We care yeah. about you. Uh, Go ahead, Lucy. Thank you to Anne. No last name needed. Mm-hmm. Anne of Green Gables, I can only assume. And we stan you. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of no-namers. Like, mm-hmm. he- no last namers. Like, Heather... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bright golden. Ha- oh, that's on the meadow. I was gonna say on the Heather. Never mind. I fucked it up. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Thank you for your five dollars. Wear sunscreen or you'll look like leather, Heather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heather. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, Kayla. You got me on my knees, Kayla. (laughs) Begging, darling, please, Kayla. Kayla. (laughs) Awful. All right. Big thank you to Allison. Uh, I I got nothing. I'm drawing only blanks. Allison, I wish I had a daughter. Oh, that's sad. Um, Thank you, Holly Denzer. Dress you in women's clothes. Sorry, we are so dense and are having a hard time (laughs) pulling out these puns today, Holly Denzer. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, um, Azriel Ann. Quote: Yes, I was named after the cat from the Smurfs. That's Hell incredible. Yeah. Well, I am blue with envy, Azrael Ann. Thank you so Love much. It. Finally, a cat gets a name. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Danielle Wilcox. We'll hold your ticket at Will Call for Wilcox. <laughs> nice. We did bucks. not take the low-hanging Wilcox. My brain fruit. I'm also proud of you. went there. That's so funny. 
I like it. Well, go figure. <laughs> thank you, Danielle. <laughs> and thank you, Nicole Kaufman, which sounds a lot like Nicole Kidman. So I'm going to assume this is Nicole Kidman using a slightly different name so as not to be identified. Right. Glad you're a big fan of the show, Nicole Kidman. We love your work. <laughs> we you. love your work. <laughs> we do. We do. But maybe since you're Nicole Kidman and you have grillions of dollars, you know. Come on. <laughs> Step it up. Oh, no. Maybe thank, it's not Nicole Kidman. Thank you, Carson Sorby. Mm, you are sweet like sweet. sorbet. <laughs> Carson oh, Sorby. So thank you so hungry. much. I'm also we have, hungry. We have so long to go. Thank mm. you to Melly. Mm. I'm Melon? assuming you are my mother, Melinda, in hiding. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mom. I'll there's see you in a no, couple days. Oh, there's I no like way that. Melinda has listened this far. No, there's no. No, way. she's definitely not. So it's not my mom. So Melly, you're not you're not smelly, and thank you for your five bucks. <laughs> Great. Thank you also to Slade Downs. Wow, what a name. Slade wow. Runner. Hello. <laughs> um, Slade wants to shout out their gateway gal slash former coworker slash partner in fuckery, yes. Lowell Johnson, <laughs> got me addicted to wine and crime. Happy very late birthday, Laurel. Happy Aww. very late birthday, Yay. Laurel. We happy love you. Happy birthday, Laurel. And thank you and happy birthday eventually to Tess <laughs> Farley. Who will <laughs> lives in a van down by the river? <laughs> who increased their pledge from two to five dollars a month? Thank you so much, Tess. Mm. You're not Thank- a mess. You're the test around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, also Eliza Wolf. I'm assuming you're related to Tobias Tom Wolf. I almost said mm. Tobias Wolf. Who's mm-hmm. Tobias Wolf? No, I, I don't, don't know. know. You're making that I don't up. Know. Tom Wolf. We're gonna howl at the moon for you, Eliza. Thank you for your ten bucks a month, and you will be getting a free, flexible, fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail at some point in the future, probably for your mm. birthday. Who knows? Love mm-hmm. it. Uh, you are also getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail, Andrea Ho Durland. What? And- why yeah uh yeah it's durable within the land durland <laughs> but it's not durable don't within the dishwasher mad. so don't put it in get the dishwasher glad yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you Allie abbott slash greg love it greg <laughs> you are climbing to the top of nickelodeon's crag to greg agro crag agro greg Thank Ooh, you, we're Greg. That wine class. We're giving you something to grag about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give them something, something to grag about. Something to grag about. <laughs> How about Allie Gr- Abbott? Okay. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Katie Coachera. Mm. Gonna get my flower crown. Head to Coachella to meet Katie Coachera. With Ten mm-hmm. bucks a month. I'll bring your wine glass with me so I can save on shipping. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chase McConnell, for chasing Mitch McConnell out of us. (laughs) (laughs) And for your ten dollar a month donation. (laughs) Majority dickhead. Yeah. God. (laughs) And thank you, Paula Astanovitz. You're Mm. gonna be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass and I just And a standing ovation. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Ainsley Otten. We oughtn't be thanking you for your ten bucks. (laughs) 
And that's why we're doing it. Here we go. Thank you, Ainsley. <laughs> Chris Turner is turnering their donation from $5 a month into $10 a month. And you can be like Chris Turner and turn up those donations oh. if you ever feel the bug. It turns mm, turn on. it up. Get turnt, Chris Turner. Get turnt. <laughs> and thank you, Reagan Patrick. Uh, you are in our trash queen or king or neither or both categories. So you're going to be getting mm. a fucking patriarchy wine glass and a random piece of detritus from Lucy's house. I love it. It's and, my favorite tier. Uh, yeah, thank you for trickling down that uh, wealth, <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> Those economics. <laughs> oh, nice. No. Oh, yes. Thank you, Grace Blanks. I'm I'm blanks and on a joke for you. I'm shooting blanks on this one. You've graced us with your fifteen dollars a month, so thank you so much. Stay tuned for your trash. Mm. <laughs> thank you as well, Andrew Shirey. You are my sunshiery, my only sunshiery. <laughs> you make me shiery when skies are gray. When Thank you for your fifteen gray-ry. dollars a month <laughs> donation. Shire for the camera. Shire. Shire about that. Um, Thank you, Caitlin Nash. You are giving at $25 a month. So send us an email with your episode topic and or uh, case and or wine. We cannot Mm -hmm. wait to cover it. And or all three if we can do it. all three, yeah. And um, we're going to get nasty. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, we are. All right. Last but not least, but actually I have an impromptu thank you to read after we got Ellen Ranny mm. ran right over and gave us 25 bucks a month. So you mm-hmm. too get your choice of a topic and or wine and or case mm-hmm. or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. So thank mm-hmm. you, Ellen. Mm-hmm. And also last but not least, we got a letter in the mail the other day from a person who came to one of our live shows and they thought that they made us uncomfortable, but honestly, it was a highlight of my entire summer boobs? tour. Oh, no, God. it was the ass. It yeah. was the yeah. full ass, and it was somewhere in Texas, oh, I yes. think. I'm not totally sure. It might have been Atlanta. There's no way to know. Mm-hmm. I think it was but Atlanta. to the person whose ass we signed, you might feel anxious and uncomfortable about it now, but that we will be a cherished it. memory of mine for the rest of my days. So don't worry about it. Thank you so much for gracing us with your beautiful buttocks. Mm-hmm. Yes, your gluteus maximus was oh, maximized the our experience. Your gorgeous maximus. All so right. anyway, that's all Thank we got. You. Thank you so much, everybody. We will talk to you next week. See you then. Mm, bye-bye. Oh, and we're recording a drunk dive, so join Patreon at any level and you can go listen to it. Uh, here we go. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. 
Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! I don't want no sugar in my coffee. It make me me. Woody Overton, the host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Join me each week to hear true, unscripted stories of the cases I actually worked during my career as a major crime investigator in South Louisiana. Go to reallife.realcrime.com to listen to each episode and find links to all of our social media. I appreciate y'all. Don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Hello, world!